All of the newest episodes of Note to Self are now available on the Luminary Podcast app. It's free to download, and you can also listen to other podcasts from WNYC Studios like Radiolab, Two Dope Queens, Snap Judgment, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin, and others. Luminary Premium is the only place where you can enjoy the entire new season of Note to Self, plus new original podcasts you won't find anywhere else from Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay, Guy Raz, Lena Dunham, and many more. And you can enjoy them ad-free. Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, it's Manoush Samarodi, host of New Tech City. And over the past few episodes, we've been wrestling with some very heavy subjects. Genetic testing, data and ethics, entrepreneurship in the digital age. Well, not this week, kids. This week, we're hanging out in two very different subcultures. Because, and I've been wanting to say this for months, it's New Tech City's Coffee and Cigarettes show. I'm just getting you in the mood here. But honestly, though, I love Otis Redding, but that's the old Coffee and Cigarettes. Here's the new. Melita Cones, Chemex, Evisolo, French Press, Aeropress, Espro Press. Clever coffee drippers. So we're not really hanging out this week. We're geeking out. This is the dual coil tank and then just a 1300 watt battery. Okay, but listen, let's lay some ground rules. I know many of you are coffee or cigarette, well, okay, I mean e-cigarette aficionados. And during this podcast, you may at times want to yell at me. Like, Manoush, come on, who hasn't heard of a burr grinder? Or, Manoush, please, everybody knows what a cardamizer is. Yeah, well, no, not everybody does. And I promise you that even you caffeinated vaping snobs will learn something this week. So let's go! Wait, can, can I just say that again with the theme music? Because it, it actually makes me really happy. Okay. This is New Tech City, and this is our Coffee and Cigarettes show. Bert and Ernie, salt and pepper, coffee and Wi-Fi. Yeah, I know I just said coffee and cigarettes. But since smoking kills you, I've decided to coin another hendiadis. Hendiadis means, by the way, the expression of an idea by using two independent words connected by and. See? You learned something already. So, coffee and Wi-Fi. I have a theory that the rise of coffee has grown in tandem with the rise of tech, but we're going to get to that later. First, join me and WNYC's business editor, Charlie Herman, at a brand new coffee education center in Lower Manhattan, the Counterculture Training Center. I'm so psyched to drink some coffee right now, to be honest. There we met food writer Oliver Strand to try out some new ways of making coffee and to try and understand just why some people care so darn much about how a cup of coffee gets made. All right, so we're entering Blondewood central with some nice clean tiles it's extremely laboratory like and yes there are bags of coffee is that oliver over there hey oliver hi it's very nice to meet you how are you i'm all right our show is called new tech city Mm -hmm. why do you think we wanted to talk about coffee because you wanted an excuse to play around with coffee um (laughs) 
That's in part my guess. All right, so Oliver gets us. Let's just start there. But why else? Uh, I think because there's a not unreasonable assumption that there is technology at play in coffee because coffee seems to be uh, changing, improving, morphing, evolving, which it is. Um, and so the assumption would be that technology is, is playing a role in that, as it does in many other things. And I think there's also an appeal to use an overused term uh, in the disruptive nature of this moment in, in coffee. I'm very excited to use that term. What's disruptive now in coffee? Well, that a lot of the techniques that are in places like this, you can call it third wave, you can call it specialty coffee, the techniques are relatively new. So the, the AeroPress, I think it dates to 2006. It was invented by this guy, Alan Adler, who is a former lecturer at Stanford University. He invented the Aerobi flying disc. In other words, he's not from the coffee world. He's not from the world of gastronomy. He's not f- from the world of food manufacturing. And he came up with this very ugly way to make coffee that's really, really good and delicious. A lot of the methods are like that. They're counterintuitive. They're coming from unexpected places. The kind of new technology is this over here in the front, the mod bar, which are those spigots there on the left and then on the right. And so this is uh, an espresso machine, but normally an espresso machine is a big cabinet on top of the counter, you know, or on the back bar. Um, And instead, most of the works are now under the counter. It looks like a beer tap. A beer tap, yeah. uh, A faucet of a really nice kitchen. So this is new. There are only about 20 of these in the U.S. To me, this rise of interest in coffee seems, and this is just a hypothesis, seems to correlate Mm -hmm. with the rise of tech centers. Like the more you see startups and techies gather, Mm -hmm. the more high-end coffee shops you start to see. Who used to drink coffee? People who worked in hospitals, people who worked in the army, people who were up a lot and trying to like do a lot. And now, this is, you know, I'm just going out there with this. Mm -hmm. Now it's the techies who are, like, burning the midnight oil. Mm -hmm. And nobody smokes anymore, right? Mm -hmm. And you can't drink because then you won't be able to code or anything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So coffee makes total sense. You can can geek out on it. It's relatively affordable. Mm -hmm. And it's also social, which a lot of these people don't get. Is there a connection between technology and coffee? Yeah, it's there. it's more personal, I think, than anything larger than that or thematic. I've been to the Google campus. I was invited by one of the first engineers at Google just to visit. And they all were really into coffee because they could quantify it. It was data. They could look at the weight in and they could look at the extraction. They could look at the time. They could look at the grind size. They absolutely loved that. They all had notebooks where they're just writing down all of the inputs and they're judging what comes out on the other end and they're adjusting what they do in order to arrive at flavors that make them happy. So there's this kind of basic appeal, I guess, if you're in technology and that's that there's information, data, and you can quantify it, process it, and change what you do in order to come up with coffee that you feel tastes better. Oh, hey, my name's Tommy. I work for Counterculture here in New York. Um, and we're going to make some coffee. So this is a natural processed coffee from Ethiopia, and its name is Banco Gotiti. Um, when people talk about processing coffee, like coffee's a fruit. It's the seed inside a piece of fruit. I just heated up some water. I heard you say that you like your coffee super hot. Can I ask you something? Are there any milk or sugar products 
in this building. Nope, we don't have any sugar. Um, I want water and dry coffee to hang out for about four minutes. It looks like a big, warm lava mound that's kind of bubbling up. They call that the bloom. Those are sexy, gurgling, dripping noises. Let's drink coffee. One of the most basic things you can do to like make your coffee world much better is to buy a digital scale uh, for 10 bucks or 15 bucks, and that's how much they cost. In the coffee world, everything is measured by weight and measured in grams. So you measure the coffee by grams, and you also you measure the liquid by grams. And this sounds really dorky and off-putting. In European. In European. It is so much more exact than to work by cups and scoops, and it's also so much easier to follow. You're just watching numbers change. You're not having to go and, and measure a thing. So, like, what is a scoop? A scoop is nothing. A scoop, it doesn't exist. But as you're talking, there sounds like an element of defensiveness, too, in, about coffee. Oh, no, it's pure aggression. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not defensive. Like, I, I know this is right, and, and I really want for everybody to come around to this. Yeah, you know, on what Charlie said about yeah. sensing aggression, this has to be the only <laughs> hobby that makes you agitated. Oh, no. Potentially. No, uh, extreme fighting... Uh, just biking in New York. <laughs> oh, well, that's true, actually. I, was gonna, I thought we were going to, like, the dark side of coffee. <laughs> but to go back to that idea of not wanting to overcomplicate your morning, but if you can find some moment of beauty, some moment of bliss, then why not do it? You know, I think it's to treat yourself to that moment. I think it's also because there's so much more available now that simply wasn't here two years ago, five years ago. Ten years ago, this didn't exist. The products available now, the toys available now, the expertise available now have completely transformed this end of the coffee world. So I think part of the reason why people are doing it is because it's available. This is new. This is actually new. It's quantitatively better than it was five years ago, and it's a world apart than what was here 15 years ago. All right, so go get them, you early adopters. That was me, food writer Oliver Strand, Counterculture's coffee technologist Tommy Gallagher, and WNYC's business editor Charlie Herman. And needless to say, all four of us were pretty pumped up for the rest of the day. Now, I mentioned earlier I have this theory that the rise of tech startups correlates to the rise of fancy coffee shops. And we've mapped out where New York's artisanal coffee shops, co-working spaces, and tech companies are. So you can go to our website, newtechcity.org, and see where they overlap, cluster together, and plan your visit accordingly. Okay, so there's your coffee. Now come the ciggies. A caffeine addiction is certainly safer than a tobacco one which might be why more and more smokers are turning to e-cigarettes. Less carcinogenic, but same amount of nicotine. New Tech City's Ilya Meritz has been doing some serious investigating into the world of vaping. And Ilya, I want to start with a really dumb question. What is the E in e-cigarette? What's what's E about it? They really are e-cigarettes because they are electronic cigarettes. They take a lot of different shapes, and what this battery does when it's switched on is to heat an atomizer or a small coil, which uh, then heats up a reserve of liquid nicotine, and that heats up to the point where it becomes a gas or a vapor, which the user can then suck into their lungs, giving them a satisfying feeling that is similar, I'm told, to smoking. So it's basically a high-tech version of getting nicotine. It's an electronic hookah. 
<laughs> okay, that makes sense to me. You know, heating, li- I should say, heating liquid with a battery probably doesn't sound like a great technological breakthrough. And truth be told, I, it isn't. But making devices specifically designed for people to inhale nicotine vapor, that is pretty new. And it does seem to be changing things. Mango. Rooker. Where are you in this? Yeah, so you're hearing sounds now from New York's first vape shop, as in vaporizing. Uh, On the Lower East Side, the place is called Vape New York. Picture a narrow room. It smells a little bit like Jolly Rancher inside. That's from all the fruity juices that people are vaping. And at the back, there are these glass cases where you can look inside and check out all kinds of paraphernalia. This is the dual coil tank and then... Uh, just a 1300 watt battery. It's mostly root beer in there. I think there's oh, probably a little bit of apple because I didn't that. dump it out properly. But it's mostly root beer. Okay. And what I'm here for is to try and find a better delivery solution. I'm not happy with the tank that goes with my lava tube. So to fill it, you want to go down here on the side okay. and fill it up to hit the silver line. They are dorking out on e-cigarettes here. Big time. So it sounds like a head shop. You know, we're those places on West 4th Street, kind of seedy a couple of years ago, where you used to go and get bongs. Yeah, they're basically still, the same thing, there's right? There's still a few head shops. I should say you heard from Liz Gardner, Matthew Levin, Ian Jacoby, Jesse Arlen, and a guy who calls himself Christo. Manoush, I cannot tell you all the strange new vocabulary <laughs> words I learned while I was there. And I can't explain exactly what they all are. Atomizer, dual coil, standard coil, single coil, cardamizer, clearamizer. So like when I'm talking to coders and I don't understand what they're saying, or I'm talking to the guy who fixes my car and I don't understand what he's saying, kind of the same thing here. This is their lingo, their technology. And you're only going to learn it if you do it. And Manoush, <laughs> I'm happy to tell you that I expensed... to this company so that we can each vape. All right. So it's in a plastic container, and it looks like you just gave me a really nice pen. And I kind of love that it's like a cartoon cigarette because it looks actually like a cigarette. Okay. Oh. You got it? Yeah, I got it. All right. Oh, it works. Seriously? I just did vape. Or did you pull off this little plasticky thing at the end? Yeah, it looks like a cigarette. Pull that off. All right. And just. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, so they offered menthol, but I got the tobacco flavor. I have to say, it oh, it's pretty accurate. It's pretty tobacco-y. Ugh. <laughs> All right, but, but Ilya, what about cost? Right. Uh, so e-cigarettes are not currently taxed the same way as actual tobacco products that contain tobacco. And Jesse Arlen, who is a patron in the store, he works at a chocolate shop, he told me, he said for him it really paid to switch. Oh, it's significantly cheaper. I mean, there's an initial investment, obviously, but I can make a thing of liquid will last me at least a week, if not longer. And I think of liquid's like seven bucks. A pack of cigarettes, I was going through at least one a day, and that's fourteen, fifteen. So. He's saving like a hundred bucks a week? Yeah, I did the math. It's about a hundred bucks. Uh, of course, there's the upfront cost of the e-cigarette kit, which, you know, could start around $30, but you can you can buy much fancier kits for $100 or more. And a lot of people seem to collect kits. So this is a real subculture. They've got their own lingo. They're obsessing over gear. Is is it going to stay a subculture, though? When, is there a tipping point where this could go mainstream, do you think? I think it has the potential to actually be disruptive. Uh, and that's because so many people told me that 
this was the way that they were able to successfully finally quit smoking. Phil Roseman is the co-founder of Vape New York. He smoked for 26 years. He told me he tried Nicorette gum. He tried pills. Nothing worked. I kind of resigned myself to the fact that I was going to smoke the rest of my life and that when the time comes for me to pass away, it'll be smoking related. Oh my God, that's so depressing. When the time comes for me to pass away, he'd like... He was like, it's going to be because I have to smoke. I, I mean, I think he's saying what a lot of people maybe are only thinking. Uh, but here's the thing. A few years ago, he tried e-cigarettes for the first time. And right away, he was able to quit tobacco. It's actually holding something in your hand like you would a cigarette. And differently in, in the pen styles, obviously. You do get used to that relatively quickly. Um, it's the feeling of the nicotine in your throat, the actually inhaling, putting something in your mouth. Your visual perception of seeing this vapor, which for all intents and purposes looks like smoke, you feel like you are still smoking. And, and in my opinion, I'm, I've totally convinced my body that I'm still smoking. Wow. I mean, that's powerful stuff. He's basically saying that this is a product that potentially gave him a longer lease on life. So does that mean that this is what it's going to be used for? You know, it's weird. He actually will never say that it is an anti-smoking device or that it could help you quit smoking. And the reason why is that e-cigarettes, while they're not currently regulated, they are about to be regulated as a tobacco mm. product, which means that you can't make any kind of fancy health claims about them. In fact, they may soon carry a warning. But this is what's so weird. You know, as I was trying to figure out whether it's healthy or unhealthy to smoke e-cigarettes, I was trying to figure out whether it actually helps people quit. There just are so few studies. A few years ago, the FDA had a choice. They could have regulated them as tobacco products or regulated them as therapeutic devices. I don't understand. How can they be regulated as tobacco products when there's no tobacco in them? That I honestly can't explain. Uh, but there was a lawsuit not so long ago where the makers of e-cigarettes really fought to be regulated as tobacco products. And you huh. might say that's totally counterintuitive. Yeah. Why would you want to do that? There's going to be restrictions on the marketing and how they can be sold. Totally. Um, the alternative, though, was to be regulated as therapeutic devices, which sounds... Like the nicotine patch or something? Yeah, or the gum or Chantix, which is a pill. Uh, the reason the industry didn't want to be regulated as the therapeutic device is that would have entailed years and years of very expensive tests. They would have probably stayed off the market for a very long time. And basically, e-cigarettes have all this momentum right now. It's, a, it's supposed to be a $2 billion industry this year, according to a Wells Fargo estimate that I read, and growing very quickly. So is All this... that would have come to a screeching halt if they were regulated as therapeutic devices. So is this are e-cigarettes the savior of the tobacco industry? I mean, obviously not the farmers in North Carolina, but the big companies? Right, because you could like vape all you like and it may not hurt your health. Maybe. I think the tobacco industry is trying to figure that out right now. One reason that they're not really jumping into this is the margins on tobacco cigarettes are so much better than on e-cigarettes. According to that same Wells Fargo report I was telling you about, it's a 40% profit margin on tobacco cigarettes and a 4% margin on e-cigarettes. So, so they're not going to make any like money. As, on this. Right. So, I mean, they'll make money, but like not not like they not do. tobacco kind of money. So this is not like the high tech solution for them. Yeah, and also consider like most of your new customers are probably going to be smokers. So you're actually moving people off of the profitable stuff onto the unprofitable stuff. It just doesn't really make sense for them right now. I mean, you mentioned that they come in like strawberry, watermelon, all these like fruity, kid friendly flavors. I mean, is it? something we don't want our kids doing, or is it kind of fine? There was this report from the CDC last month 
that showed that I think the number of like teenage e-vapors doubled. Huh. So people are actually pretty concerned that young people are going to be getting into this. The question is how concerned should we be because we don't actually know what the health effects are and the health effects aren't really being studied. I mean, nicotine, we know it makes you jittery, uh, upsets some people's stomachs. Like... Uh, contributes to coronary kind of heart diseases. Oh. Yeah, exactly. But the difference is cigarettes contain tar and all kinds of carcinogens that don't, as far as we know, don't seem to be present in e-cigarettes. Even anti-tobacco people will tell you e-cigarettes hold some potential as a way to quit smoking, and they may not be so harmful. Ilya Meritz bringing us the the anthropological and technological side of e-cigarettes. Thank you. Thank you, Manoush. Just to be clear, we are not condoning e-cigarettes, listeners. While I enjoyed pretending to be a 14-year-old again and trying out something naughty in the studio, we must repeat that it is unclear what the effects of e-cigarettes and nicotine are, so don't start if you don't need to. Okay, moving on. If it sounds like I'm wrapping up this show in my local coffee shop, well, I'm not. All this talk of coffee reminded the New Tech City team about a study from last year in the Journal of Consumer Research. It says that modest ambient noise, like in a cafe, boosts creativity. Coffeeativity is one app that can get you that productive coffee shop sound. The app you're listening to right now, though, is SoundDrown. It lets you feel like you're working away at the coffee shop. Or just getting things done at home on a rainy afternoon. Or being productive at the local playground. Wait, that's kind of weird. Oh, oh, okay, so guess this one. I think it's supposed to be a relaxing hearth, but it sounds like the studio is going up in flames. Ah! Okay, let's just go out with some white noise. I'm Anoush Samarodi. Thanks for listening to New Tech City. We'll see you next week. <laughs>